0: Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a
1: simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable, 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies Studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and the title of the show is Capitalizing on the Science of Selling. John's guest is Chuck Reeves, founder of Sales Suites and a top-rated corporate speaker. Topics covered during the program will include whatever Chuck wants to talk about. John, over to you.
2: (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Dave. Chuck, great to have you on the show. I think I've told you this before. I love your newsletter. Read it every time you send it out. Great stuff.
0: I appreciate it, John. You know, you and I have traveled very similar paths.
2: Uh, we work with CEOs. We work with sales teams. And we both agree that
0: sales has an awful lot of scientific backing to it.
2: Totally agree. Neuroscience now. We, we know that most decisions, you know, are at the subliminal level. I know you talk about that. 93% of them are. I've heard it's very similar data. I think I just recently saw 96%, but it's essentially almost all. Well, funny you would
0: bring that up, John, because when I ask my audiences, is sales an art or a science? Because most of them say it's an art or a little bit of both. Very few give any scientific notations to the process of selling. And that number that you mentioned continues to creep up. There was a study out of the U.K., In 2017, that showed 93% of our communication happens at the subconscious, subliminal level, and now the number continues to creep up. I think we're going to see the point where sales is mostly a science, even though most people think today it's primarily an art form.
2: No, I totally agree. And, you know, there's a third leg of the stool, too, that I know you preach about, and that is process. When you've got salespeople who understand their personality, know how to relate to others, kind of the art. They got a sales process that they follow and they understand the uh, science behind sales. Now we're talking about a top salesperson.
0: Absolutely. And the example that I use is comparing sales professionals to a surgeon. People say sales can't be a science because every salesperson is different. Every customer is different and customers are different on subsequent sales calls. So how could sales possibly be a science? Well, if we compare it to surgery, no two surgeons are the same, no two patients are the same, and no patient is the same on subsequent experiences. So if you had to go under the knife, would you choose a surgeon who is very analytical or one who is very creative? And In Southern California, of course, people say, I'd rather have the creative person. Maybe they could fix something else while I'm out. But if we (laughs) look at the whole concept of selling is following a process.
1: We can go back to the UK
0: in one of their studies that they did where they re-implemented the checklist in the operating theater. The operating theater is pre-op, op, and post-op. By implementing the checklist, an entry-level employee could stop a procedure if something wasn't checked off. As a result, Post-op complications went down. So how important is the checklist? Exactly. Post-op mortality went down. Now how important is the checklist?
2: So the checklist of sales is pre-call planning. Yes, we have to have a process. If I call on you as a
0: salesperson and you're my prospect or customer, and the first question I ask is, how many of my widgets would you like to buy? That sales call is going nowhere. But if instead I start with a process, I've done my pre-call planning. I know who John Asher is. I know what his company is all about. I know he's achieving great things in the world of sales development. Then I could ask John, what are the top three goals you set for this year? And what obstacles have you identified that might prevent you from making those goals? Then you would be more likely to be interested in my widgets, wouldn't you?
2: It certainly would be because now you got it, the whole conversation focused on me, uh, the buyer, and not you, the salesperson.
0: Yes. But if you're a commissioned salesperson and your livelihood depends on the next commission check or you've got a boss that's asking you about your quota and how you're making it, you're going to be inclined to focus too much on yourself. So the whole idea of selling is following a prescribed process. You have the process that you teach. I have the process that I teach, and both of them work. I had a seatmate the other day on an airplane say, you sales trainers all say the same thing. And my response <laughs> was, I hope so. That's Because That's we're all leading in the same direction. You know, you're very successful, so I think you travel in your own private Learjet or Gulfstream <laughs> or
2: whatever. I wish.
0: So, but we're going to the same destination. We're just taking a different route. That's all there is to it. There's more than one way to do it. I agree. As similar as we are, if I try to sell like you, I will fail miserably. And if you try to sell like me, you will fail miserably. But using the same principles, using the same process, we can both be successful. And that's where your idea of the personality comes in or the style comes in. Another example is I could put together a great presentation and take it out to Dave and he says no. So I take it out again. He says no. I rework my presentation. And Dave says no. I give you my material and you go out and close it on the first call. Well, what's the difference? The difference is simply your delivery, your sensitivity, what you are able to pick up on that I completely miss. You agree with that?
2: Totally yeah so as long as you have a process, if you have a different personality than i do we're gonna we're gonna accomplish those steps differently, but as long as you accomplish the steps, you're in good shape
0: exactly. I liken it also to using a recipe uh, I'm something of a gourmet cook. I can do seven different varieties of cold cereal with and without fruit so i'm I'm pretty good <laughs> at it but. If we wanna cook something sophisticated, we have a recipe, don't we? We And the first thing in the recipe is the ingredients. Do we have what we need to make this happen? Because if we get halfway through the process and we're missing an ingredient, it could be that the whole thing is going to have to start over again. And customers don't allow mulligans. Customers don't allow start over. So once we have all the ingredients, Then we follow the recipe, and we want to make sure that we're doing every step in order. Every step in order. That's the critical difference. And something I stumbled onto recently is the difference in management and supervision, management, sales management, and sales supervision, which we rarely talk about. Sales management is like having the fully equipped kitchen and pantry. So management means we have all the tools, we deliver a great product, we have good people, we have a CRM, we have all those things that are necessary. But aren't most salespeople unsupervised? Most of our sales calls, we don't have a boss with it, either over the phone or face-to-face, we are unsupervised. Well, that supervision can happen through the process, through the recipe. We have step-by-step instructions of what we're going to do. And when we follow that process, magically and scientifically, the sales close, the sales happen.
2: Totally agree. It's kind of like the pilot in an airplane. They have had uh, 10,000 takeoffs, but every time he's going to go through that checkoff list.
0: Perfect example. The fact that they're going through that checklist gives me an assurance as a passenger that this is probably going to work well. When we (laughs) hear about plane crashes, it's typically not a major thing that happened; It's a minor thing that happened. They missed one particular step. And even as sophisticated as airplanes are, they can still do that. Well, sales is highly complex, more complex, I believe, than flying, because no two customers are the same. We're dealing with human nature. And there's nothing more bizarre on the planet than human nature. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I agree with that, now, Chuck. You're you're kind of known for being the uh, great uh, questioner, and to kind of frame that, if you go look at one of the cognitive biases called the reciprocity bias, meaning we're all biased towards other people who give stuff to us. One of the ways that applies to sales and questioning and listening is, if you will thoroughly listen to the customer, then they'll thoroughly listen to what you know what you've got. Well, within that, there's great questioning strategies. Could you tell us a little bit about your strategies for questioning?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's amazing what people will tell us. It's amazing what people will give us if we just ask. I don't believe in cold calling. I don't believe in closing sales. I don't believe in talking to customers. And I don't believe in cold calling. And it all centers around this ability and willingness to ask questions. If a vendor does a good job for you, will you give them a referral? What's the answer? Yes. Sure. When was the last time you got a referral? It was the last time you were asked. We will give referrals if we are asked to give referrals. We will get referrals if we will ask to get them. And the way we word the question will determine the quality of the information we're going to receive. And here's where it gets tricky. Most customers are better at buying than salespeople are at selling. Most customers are better at buying than salespeople are at selling. So, if we use a generic question or if we use a common question, the customer is going to know what to do with that. It's like playing tennis with a professional tennis player, and you <laughs> lob the ball over the side of the court. When are you going to see that ball again? when you go back and find it and pick it up, because they're going to do something with it. The customers know what to do with that. They're going to swap that right back in our face. So now we need to come up with more sophisticated questions, beginning with the opening question. The opening question is not how we greet the customer. Did you see that game last night? Or how was your vacation? The opening question is the specific tool that we use to transition From establishing rapport into the sales call, we still have to establish rapport. We may have to do it quickly. The customer may not give us much time, but we have to establish rapport because we build relationships with customers. Relationship selling is a redundant term. All selling is relationship selling. And we start (laughs) building the relationship with establishing rapport. We ask an opening question and take initial control of the sales call. The opening question cannot have anything to do with what we are there to sell, with our organization, with our experience as individuals, or as uh, anything that we use to differentiate ourselves. So if we can't talk about our product or service, our differentiation, our company or ourselves, what's left to talk about? Them, their favorite topic. So the opening question today must be something about the customer the customer has never heard before. The opening question has to be something about the customer the customer's never heard before. How in the world are you going to come up with that? We use pre call planning. If everything centers around pre call planning, the idea that we can show up and throw up, we can go out and wing it and be successful in sales,
1: those days are long over. Agree. John, it's time to take a quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to AsherStrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941.
2: Thank you, Dave. Just to pick off where we left off, Chuck, what would be a good example or two of, you've done your pre-call planning, and now after rapport building, you're going to ask that first great question.
0: Can we understand, not hear, not listen, can we understand what the customer is trying to accomplish? The magic word in value-added selling is the word outcome. What is the customer's desired outcome? Nobody wants what we're selling. Nobody wants our products, nobody wants our services. They're looking for a desired outcome. So our initial questions have to be centered around, first of all, What are they trying to achieve? Secondly, what would that be worth to them? And then third, why is our solution better than anyone else's? If a man goes into a hardware store and asks for a quarter-inch drill bit, what does he want? He wants a quarter-inch hole. And the only way he knows to get the quarter-inch hole is to go to the store, buy the drill bit, take it home, plug it in the drill, and drill the hole. Is there a better way of making a quarter-inch hole? That's where our salespeople start. Is there a better way for my customer to achieve their desired outcome than what they are doing right now? Or better than they could get from one of my competitors? And the example that I use is how big is the round that comes out of a 22? That's 22 100s, which is very close to 25 100s. Why don't you just use a gun and shoot a hole in the ceiling or whatever? So we look at what are the alternatives that will allow the customer to have their desired outcome. Here's where it really gets to be fun. You know how you and I cut our teeth on solution selling and consultative selling and all that stuff. Yep. I've asked literally thousands of customers. I've done 5,000 presentations all over the world. I've asked thousands of customers, CEOs, vice presidents, sales managers, what are the top three problems facing your organization? And not one has ever told me. In fact, if you asked me what the top three problems were in my business, I would tell you three things and none of them would be the problem. I asked a client once, what's the top three problems facing your company? He said, we've got one major problem. I said, great, what is that? He said, attrition. I said, well, what was your attrition last year? He said 112%. He turned over his entire workforce more than once in the course of a year. Is that a problem?
2: (laughs) A big problem, probably.
0: (laughs) It's a symptom. What's causing the attrition? One of the secrets of consultative selling or solution selling is asking the customer what the problem is, which, by the way, is an outcome. Ask the customer, what is the problem? And then try to cut through that, recognize it as a symptom, and cut through that and see if you can figure out what the real problem is. I've had you and I have both had customers who said, well, our sales are off. You need to train my salespeople. Our sales are off. And then we get in there and find out they've had a product failure or their product is obsolete or their competitors have come out with a gee whiz that's eating their lunch. It's not the salespeople that's the problem. It is something else. Sales development, which includes sales training, sales coaching, sales compensation, sales development is an ongoing process. It never ends. So there's always going to be work for you and I. There's always going to be situations where you and I can go in and help the customers take their sales to the next level. But we need to recognize that
2: sales alone may not be the only problem. Totally agree, Chuck. So, just shifting subjects for a second, Um, when you go back to your process for sales or of science, you have four elements to it. Would you like to talk about those for just a couple of minutes? Yeah. The argument that I make is, I
0: think sales is a science. So, if it is a science, it must meet the four criteria of any other science. Number one, it must be measurable. Sciences can be measured, and so. As an example, I talked to a CEO one time, he's German, very German, and I was working with this company. He called me in his office. He said, how long do you teach value-added selling? I said, I've been teaching value-added selling for 20 years. He said, what is value? Is that a good question or what? Because I could not define the word. What is value? He and I sat down and figured out there are four components to value, quality, service, timeliness, and cost, And then he came up with an algorithm. I converted the algorithm into a calculator, so now we have a value calculator. And you can actually sit down with a customer who says I'm leaving you for somebody with a lower price, and instead of talking to them about price, you talk to them about value, they go through the quantification. So if we can quantify value, we should be able to quantify anything and be able to measure it, so measurable. Predictable. If it's a science, it is predictable. You watch the weather on TV, and the weatherman can be accurate up to about what two and a half or three hours or something like that. I flew with one of those on on the weather channel the other day. I said, "How do you do a ten day forecast?" He said, "Well, we're pretty good out about three days. After that, we use the Almanac. So, but it's still predictable to a degree, <laughs> measurable, predictable." replicable. It's a science. We can make it happen again. Now, this is where technology is kicking in. If you look at some of your analytical tools, the ones that you use to diagnose what the salesperson is all about and help them understand what makes the customer tick, then we can start replicating sales. We can start putting some kind of form and fashion behind it. I'm seeing an awful lot of replication with tablets with apps on telephone. I mean, it's just amazing what can happen with replicatability. So measurable, predictable, replicatable, and here comes the fun, automatable. AI and AR are never going to replace salespeople because there's too much of the human element involved. But when we look at RSA, real sales automation, now this is far beyond the CRM. And if you're not using a CRM, it's time to get on board because the world's going to run past you. Agreed. Going far beyond the CRM and sales automation is where the future is. It's got to build on existing technologies. So I need to understand what makes people tick. So I need to use your tools for analysis. I need to understand how to flow with the process. So people need to understand your process or my process. I need to understand. When I can stop and ask for the order, and I need to be able to quantify my value to the customer. So when we look at it from a scientific point of view, it's a whole lot more than a slap on the back or a bag of donuts or taking the customer out for golf. There's a lot more to it than that.
2: All right, good. Well, let me just say, Chuck, uh, those four areas that really prove that sales is a science totally agree. The automation part of it is just uh, increasing exponentially. It's crazy the way it's going. And so if salespeople aren't embracing that, they've really got to think hard about it. To give an example, if I told my uh, sales group that we're getting rid of Salesforce, they'd quit. Salesforce as a CRM is just too great of a tool. So Chuck, let's wrap this up. If you could leave the uh, audience with one or two things that they could take action on right away, and then let them know how they could contact you, that would be great.
0: Oh, wonderful. First of all, recognize that sales is an orderly science. Recognize that the price objection is never valid. In the history of recorded time, no customer has ever said your price is too high a minute. That's chuck <laughs> numbers. And then to contact me is Chuck Reeves. We sell Reeves, R-E-A-V-E-S, like leaves, but Reeves. So ChuckReeves.com. You can go to salesweeks.com. You can go to blendedselling.com. We're doing a lot of work right now. Or 404 6171 or chuck at chuckreeves.com. If you have questions or insights, I would love to hear it. i get my material from real-world situations that people call me about.
2: That's terrific, Chuck. It was just great to have you on the show.
0: Thank you, John. Great to be here. and Thanks for the invitation.
2: You're welcome.
1: Well, thank you, John and Chuck. That's all the time we have for today. Our next show is in two weeks. Be sure to join us. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've
0: been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio.